research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view. This is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. My co-host is Oik. Always, Eric Eggers. How are you, Eric? I'm wonderful, Peter. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. And, uh, you know, we're halfway through September, so things are picking up a little bit. They are. How's the family? My family's busy. You know, we've got lots of children and lots of different activities, but I would say we haven't been quite as busy as America's favorite family. Well, maybe not favorite family, first family anyway. The Bidens continue to be in the news in many different ways. It's been a couple weeks since we've done much on on the Biden corruption family uh, investigation, but I think that there are lots of things to talk about, one of which I think prominently features Peter Schweitzer himself. It does. In kind of a uh, an interesting way, we walked into it, um, and we're going to talk about that more in a minute. But let me just focus real briefly on this issue of the Biden family, okay. because what a lot of people, the White House will say is, you know, this is, you know, who cares about Hunter Biden? Who cares about the family? There's no evidence that Joe Biden himself ever actually got paid. He never benefited from any of these deals. So uh, there's nothing to see here. If you actually look at the U.S. code on bribery, what does it say? It says bribery not only means a politician gets paid, but if a member of the family or another person, a third party gets paid uh, because of an official action, it is the same. So just that's why when people say, oh, you know, who cares about what the family does? That doesn't really matter. That's actually central to the way that bribery often functions. You know, this reminds me of and I know we live in the social media era now. And so on Twitter, you see all these bots. And so there'll be you know, you can tell it's sort of an art artificial or astroturf type of thing when you yeah. see the same comment repeated by all these different accounts. Uh, back in 2016, when we were reporting on corruption within the Clinton family, uh, the phrase that we would hear repeatedly, not on social media, but like by all the different talking heads, no less coordinated, no less artificial, was just not one shred of evidence. We didn't yeah. have one shred of evidence that the Clintons were corrupt. And of course, um, some people still think that the reporting that we did about the overlap of interest in the Clinton Foundation and the State Department and the money, the very real money, the millions mm -hmm. of dollars the Clintons made off of that is just coincidental and happenstance. And I would imagine those same people would say that that's what's happening with the Bidens today. But that's why the news that's happened over the last couple of weeks matters so much. We now have, because of Kevin McCarthy, articles of impeachment inquiry being announced. Now, that's not the same thing as an impeachment. What's the difference? Yeah. So the inquiry basically says we're going to use the full force of the House of Representatives to investigate. What we've had at this point is the feeble investigation of the Department of Justice, right? The one that's been going on since 2018. Feeble's overstatement. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfair to the word feeble, right? Um, you, so you've had the Department of Justice kind of basically doing nothing since 2018 uh, with uh, David Wise. And maybe we have some insight into why in just a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. We're going to have some insight into why that, that actually involves us. Uh, but then you have the second uh, you know, front that was opened, which was on Capitol Hill. And you had some great work being done by Congressman Comer, House Oversight Committee, Jim Jordan at Judiciary. Great work being done at the Ways and Means Committee. But they were getting stifled. Uh, 
they were issuing subpoenas. They were asking for information from the government, Freedom of Information Act requests, et cetera, and they're being stifled. So what McCarthy has done with impeachment is it puts the full force and power of the House of Representatives behind the investigation, information should flow a lot more quickly. Uh, and there's now going to be a coordinated investigation between those three committees, Oversight, Judiciary, and Ways and, Ways and Means. They're actually going to be working together rather than working separately as they were before. So this is going to pick up the the aggressiveness, I think, of the investigation, meaning they're going to get more information. But it does not mean that Joe Biden has been impeached. It may not even mean that he will be impeached. It's going to be determined, of course, by the information they actually collect and gather. And I think if they had a vote right now, they probably would not have the votes to impeach at this point. And some people would suggest that just because they've introduced these articles of impeachment inquiry doesn't mean Kevin McCarthy is actually interested in pursuing impeachment against Joe Biden. It might just mean that he's trying to get the people that are holdouts on things like funding the government, people that would Great rather point. have seen uh, the government shut down as opposed to maybe begrudgingly going along with the continuing resolution for 30 days. Ironically, I was somewhere in Tallahassee last night and Matt Gates was there uh, oh. in a little hat. Yeah, because, you know, in Tallahassee, they do like Florida things. And Matt Gates was there and he's on his phone a lot. Maybe he was like debating with Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> hey, all right, I'm in. But <laughs> we need Joe's bank records. I don't know. But I mean, but I, but but it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Right. right. Like, those are the conversations that are happening. So I guess that's my question is how much do you feel like this signals the House is taken seriously or how much of this is Kevin McCarthy needs this to happen to get the stuff he wants to happen done? Well, I think there's a difference between the committee chairman, I think Jim Jordan and Comer and, and uh, I think it's Congressman Smith over at House Ways and Means are all in. They've been aggressive about this. I think they've gathered information. They've been fact led from the beginning, whether the House leadership, meaning Kevin McCarthy is. Who knows? But, uh, you know, it's not just a question of the Speaker of the House leading the parade. Sometimes they're forced to lead the parade. And I still believe the evidence that they've presented is already very compelling. They're going to find more. And I think we are going to reach a point where the the center of gravity in the House of Representatives is going to say, hey, we need to proceed and have an open debate and essentially a trial uh, in the Senate to assess these things. And it could be one of those things, too, where you've been watching and kind of following the evidence and you think the evidence is real and you think the evidence warrants actual investigation, actual yeah. even enforcement. And it hasn't happened for so long. You might have been beat down a little bit by it and say, like, well, OK, there's articles of impeachment. How, how seriously should we take that? But then it's like, well, wait, also consider this, this attorney who now is the special counsel, David Weiss, who had previously agreed for some reason to not a very big deal for Hunter Biden, was going to basically let him off with a sweetheart deal. Now we have an actual indictment on Hunter Biden on this gun charge. Yeah, what, uh, do you, what do you make of that? Well, I think as our colleague Seamus Bruner has pointed out, it's the one charge you might have brought up uh, that doesn't actually connect to or impugn Joe Biden. <laughs> right. so, so very astute point. Uh, very, yeah. No, I think it's a great point that Seamus makes. Um, I do think that I hope it's not the end of things to come because as, right. as you've noted, as you talked about on a Sunday morning show recently, there are tax discrepancies and tax issues that I think could involve Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. I guess it it's maybe a charitable point for David Weiss because maybe in his previous posture, he couldn't bring the charges in the one location, but now he's able to go into a different state. And so there's a lower threshold legally. I mean, I, I guess that makes sense, maybe. Or do you think it's more trying to buy time against the thing? Because I think at the end of the day, why we spend time on the Hunter Biden investigation on this program isn't because of his drug problem or the fact right. that he lied on a gun form. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to say my view of this is, yes, he violated the law and they should prosecute it because he violated the law. Ordinary Americans are on that charge all the time. 
But I got to tell you, this has the feel of, you know, you and I going and robbing a bank and we get pulled over by the cops and the charge is we were speeding. You know, we were going 50 in a 35, which if I was driving is quite likely. <laughs> Very likely. Believe me. <laughs> believe me. But in all seriousness, this is the crime that to me has the least implications for the broader country. Uh, we're doing what we're doing because we're concerned about the leadership, the corruption, what's going on in the country. A guy that lies on a gun form should be charged, but that's not what we do at the Government Accountability Institute. And when you've got all of this evidence that he clearly, in my mind, was acting as a foreign agent uh, in both Ukraine and China, bringing matters before government officials, he never registered with the Department of Justice. That's not a technicality. There are dozens of people in the United States in jail for doing that in, let's say, far ro less robust fashion than Hunter Biden did it did himself. And I think there's also the issue of bribery. I think bribery is on the table. And to, so, to say we're going to do the gun charge, which I also kind of think, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. If you're a jury, if I were in a jury and I was looking at all of these charges, the ones I would be most sympathetic for Hunter Biden on would be the gun charge. Because what's he going to say is, I filled out this form. I was on drugs at the time. I checked this box. I shouldn't have done it. I'm sorry, please. Forget. That's a lot more sympathetic than to say I was on drugs and over a seven year period, I was doing complex deals with foreign entities and influencing my father. That's a lot harder to dismiss and say it was just, you know, a drug issue. I also feel like if they've been looking into this, if the Department of Justice and Attorney Weiss has been looking at this for five plus years. Yeah. It's kind of like if I tell my children, hey, you know, you got some homework to do, you got clean up the kitchen, pick up your stuff off the floor and make your bed. And I'm going to come back in 15 minutes and we'll see how you've done. <laughs> and I come back and it's like, you picked up two socks <laughs> and I'm supposed to be like, you got five years and you got a gun form thing. The thing right. that was very obvious from the beginning, you know, they've right. looked at everything else. You know, right. that the evidence is there. We know right. that from the Hunter Biden laptop. So I do think it's maybe it's buying time. I think that right. I think you also have to, again, look at it not in a vacuum. So we're not looking at the articles of impeachment inquiry with Kevin McCarthy in a vacuum because it's also happening with the budget negotiations. I don't think we should look at the David Weiss charges in a vacuum because that's also happened at the same time. You've got House Democrats now coming out with information saying, listen, yeah, you've heard from some of these IRS whistleblowers. You've heard from these FBI whistleblowers, but we have people too. And you should hear what they've said. Right. Which is, which, so they're actively working to undermine the seeming credibility or severity of the evidence that's mounting against Hunter Biden. And so to that point, and this is where Peter Schweitzer starts to play a prominent role. Look at you finally in the pages. Once again, <laughs> years after the Clinton cash stuff, you're back in the New York Times. Congratulations. Uh, but we have a bit of a he said, he said when mm -hmm. it comes to some of this testimony, right? right? And so we've heard from the Gary Shapley. We've heard from these other people. We also now have heard recently from former FBI agent Tim Tebow. Right. And so this is what gets reported in the New York Times. Uh, it says, on Tuesday, Tebow, the former FBI agent, sat for a closed-door interview, which he presented a blistering opening statement to the House Judiciary Committee. He said he'd been subject to baseless allegations of political interference. And he said he had little involvement in younger Hunter Biden's case other than, this is the key, to shut down the use of a confidential source who he discovered was actually a right-wing author <laughs> whose information he feared would taint the legitimacy of the investigation. Uh, do you have any guesses on who that right-wing author was that was potentially uh, in danger of tainting the investigation? Well, he didn't name me before the Congressional Committee, but he named me in, in the New York Times in, in May. 
Um, and, you know, here's here's what happened. Here's the 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 sort of the timeline of this. In June of 2020, I was approached by people with the public corruption section of the FBI and said, hey, we're you know interested in public corruption. That's what we research. Um, you know, we'd like to, you know, get some information that you might have in certain areas. Uh, we certainly share that information. These are corporate records, uh, information that, you know, is is in our books. To say again, we were approached by yeah, the FBI. Absolutely. And and we we have done this before. The FBI has approached us before. We're glad to do it. Uh, we have uh, other things that that um, involve, you know, congressional committees. Anytime there's a legitimate government body that's investigating public corruption and wants information, we are happy to share it with uh, that authority. Um, and, and we're glad to do so. So there's nothing, you know, crazy here. Uh, there's nothing untoward that was done. Um, but, you know, what's interesting to me about Tebow's statement about, you know, sort of a right wing author, and this would taint, um, there are no right wing facts. There are no left wing facts. There are facts. And in all the work that we've done, we they have never ever challenge the veracity of any of the information that we put out on the Bidens uh, about the Chinese deals, about the Ukrainian deals, how much money that he got, that he was getting, you know, a million dollars a year. We were the first ones to break that story. Nobody's ever challenged any of those facts and any of that information. Um, and the FBI is a organization that prides itself on talking to somebody who will be helpful. I mean, they try, they talk to hitmen, they talk to drug dealers. Like that's your job is to deal with people who are aware of criminal activity. So you have to be criminal adjacent. Well, exactly. Not to exactly. call you criminal adjacent, exactly. but, but you're corrupt adjacent. Well, yeah, you're corrupt adjacent, <laughs> but also it's you, you verify the information based on the facts. Right. So if, you know, somebody who is a drug dealer gives you information and it checks out to be accurate, that's good information. Uh, this sort of, you know, attack the messenger strategy that Tebow is taking here. It's interesting that there's no refutation of the facts. Um, but also, this is the same body. Tim Tebow, of course, is the agent who, when Tony Bobolinsky came forward with his information in the fall of 2020. In 2020. Yeah. Tim Tebow was the one that interviewed him. And did not share that with anybody. He didn't share it with uh, the uh, uh, U.S. attorney up in Delaware investigating Hunter Biden. There was no follow up, according to Bob Alinsky. Um, Bob Alinsky was not a political figure. He was not a, a, a figure that had any political profile whatsoever. I think, in fact, if you look at his campaign donation giving, he'd given to Democrats in the past. Um, so. I'm not buying it that he was concerned about the integrity of the investigation, which is ridiculous on his face. He has systematically done things to block these kinds of investigations. And let's remember, this is the same body, the FBI, that received a tip from Hillary Clinton's lawyer about this unverified dossier concerning Russia collusion. And they ran that up the flagpole right away. So it, it's it's kind of funny how we bump into these things. So you you would be considered a potentially biased source. Hillary Clinton's attorney would not be. Hillary Clinton's I'm, attorney said, oh, we got something about her political opponent. Let's go. Exactly. As opposed to here's a guy who has previously got a career of documenting political corruption on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. And this is, to me, the key on this. So why were you seen? Why was the evidence that you were presenting seen as a potential threat? And to me, this we've referenced Clinton Cash before, but I think you have to kind of go back to you know, this joke, but it's not a joke, Trump derangement syndrome. Yeah. I mean, we know before it was scrubbed that Tebow's social media activity included several politically charged messages, including a retweet. 
of a Lincoln Project message in which Donald Trump was called psychologically broken and uh, saying he wanted to give Kentucky to the Russian Federation, right? He's no less of a Russian agent than Mitch McConnell's Kentucky is right. up for grabs because Vladimir Putin likes bourbon, obviously. Yeah. But I think the point is, is that you, and it's funny because Clinton Cash and the election of Donald Trump that Clinton Cash led to changed so many things, not the least of which is our relationship with mainstream media outlets. But it's not like you did anything differently. It's now any information that comes to you or comes from you is potentially seen as advantageous to Donald Trump, and therefore it must be eliminated. Yeah. I mean, th th that's the thing that's sad about where we are in America today. We we did a lot of work for a long time with The New York Times and with The Washington Post elsewhere. And our view has always been it was the same position we take with the FBI, with congressional committees. Here's our information. Here's where we obtain that information. You can go verify it yourself. Uh, in other words, we don't use anonymous sources. We don't say trust us. Um, and yet, uh, rather than actually evaluate the information, they want to attack the messenger. Uh, that attack, I think, is unfair in and of itself. But they don't want to actually deal with the facts of the information. It's become a convenient way to avoid relaying the facts. Everything that we have written about the Bidens beginning in 2018 involving China, Ukraine, the names of the deals, the amounts of the deals, the amounts of money has all been verified as accurate and true. Um, and they don't want to acknowledge that because, of course, they've tried to avoid this story and not cover this story. Uh, and I think it's deeply embarrassing to them. It's deeply embarrassing. I do think it speaks to a fundamental shift in terms of the level of uh, engagement and curiosity um, on behalf of people whose job it actually is to be professionally curious. Your job yeah. is to, hey, yeah. that's interesting. Let me go see. We talked before about the idea that Barack Obama lives in Washington, D.C. still, and maybe lots of people from the Biden administration White House go to his house at some point. But right. no one's concerned about that because yeah. to report a negative thing about Joe Biden would be then to add a positive thing to this greatest existential threat Western democracy has ever known, Donald J. Trump. So right. it's just not going to happen. Yeah. And that's really the problem. You picked the wrong time and the wrong <laughs> family to own in terms of their. It's true, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if, if he was running against John McCain, you might have a shot at it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, I think that the media has really overstepped. I think, you know, their their approval numbers are actually lower than the U.S. Congress, which is amazing when you consider U.S. Congress, I think, is at 18 percent. Uh, and it's only going to get worse because they have gone all in on this. And I think as more information comes forward, uh, we we were uh, talking yesterday on Maria Bartiromo's show uh, about this sort of weird missing $5 million um, that I think is something that the House should look into. And this is, again, not me you know, making a claim. It's very simple yep. research when you look at it. Well, tell people what you mean, because the documents do reveal a discrepancy of $5 million between reporting done, self-disclosures done in, I think, 2017 and then yeah. 2019. Yeah. So, so uh, Joe Biden, uh, when he left the vice presidency, set up a LLC called Celtic Capri. Uh, LLC. And it's named after his code name for the Secret Service was Celtic uh, and his wife was Capri. So he sets up Celtic Capri. That's where he That's runs. Dr. Capri. <laughs> <laughs> That's a mistake. <laughs> so so um, he sets up this LLC to run uh, his income through. So he files his taxes with the IRS in 2017 and 2018. He says, on his tax forms, his 1040 tax forms, that that business in those two years took in $11.6 million. Okay. Very, very clear cut. 
Here's the weird part. 2019 rolls around. He's now running for president. He's supposed to release his personal financial statements. Uh, and he does this through the Office of Government Ethics. During those same two years, now he says, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't make uh, that amount of money. I made actually $5.2 million less. He's filled out both forms. They were apparently filled out by the same person, it looks like. Uh, and yet $5.2 million magically disappears. Um, and my theory is that, that it could have just been a massive error, but I don't know how you make an error of 40% of your entire income. I think what happened is he filed with the IRS. He doesn't want to be evading tax. He wants to claim all of his income. By 2019, when he's filling out the new form, uh, guess what? He's getting a lot of scrutiny for his son's foreign deals. Um, my theory is they just wanted some of that income to disappear. That's possible. I think it was also possible. And this is where the obvious story and uh, kind of like intermingling nature of the finances between Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. Yep. Uh, you've got you know Hunter Biden allegedly paying per emails from Eric Schwerin some of Joe Biden's bills. You've got the, the Bidens at every turn looking to keep Joe Biden's name off of certain things as they've done with the Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania, where other foreign money comes in and there's discussion about how much this can go to salary. And let's not forget, I mean, this has been another thing that has been reported on, but not really in a meaningful way by any mainstream media outlets. And as far as we can tell, not followed up in a meaningful way by any FBI agents, but you've got a confidential human source saying, I have been told there are recordings of Joe Biden, essentially like, shaking down and saying i need to be bribed actually to the tune of five million dollars yeah. from the person that was also paying hunter biden at the same time who also was requesting five million dollars so like that's why that context matters then when you have discrepancies great, great point and right. contextual errors right so yeah you've got five million from ukraine the allegation in the 1024 there's also on the hunter biden laptop we know that cefc energy this energy company in may of 2017 sent five million dollars and it explicitly says in the email, it's for the Biden family. It's not for Hunter. It's for the Biden family. Now, again, we don't know. Is that that five million is part of that money? But it's the sort of basic question that the House should be investigating when it comes to Joe Biden's finances. How do you go from claiming during 2017, 2018, you oh no, no, we actually had five point two million dollar less of income. Uh, on on the on the uh, filing for your financial disclosure it just does not make any sense. And I'll just say this, you know, as we wrap up, I, we've talked about Clinton cash and how I think it's it's also you should you can't talk about the Biden corruption in a vacuum because I think you have to talk about in the context of the Clinton corruption. And for this reason, uh, Hillary Clinton is secretary of state when Barack Obama gets elected. Hunter Biden is the son of the vice president. They have a front row seat to what the Clintons were able to do in terms of how much money they were able to bring in for their nonprofits. And also the only reason why they kind of got caught because why Clinton Cash was as successful as it was in terms of detailing the corruption is because of the transparency and disclosure requirements the Obama administration mandated. That's right. Okay. Now, so you're the Bidens. You see the Clintons cash in. Hillary leaves because you're going to run for president. <laughs> right. And then you're vice president for second term. That's when you see Hunter Biden set up these business arrangements in Ukraine. It's always in the second term with China, everything else. And then Joe Biden leaves office. The one leverage he's got is I might be potentially running for president in the future, but he's no longer public office. So unlike Hillary Clinton, the secretary of state, he doesn't have the same disclosure requirements. He doesn't right. have the same transparency uh, mandating reporting. So um, they can get away with more. And they did. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely right. And they, they, they offshored their corruption. That's a phrase we use from time to time. In other words, Joe doesn't take payments himself. Uh, the money actually goes to members of the family. They're the ones that collect money. Uh, and it's a way of creating kind of plausible deniability. The problem is that's what everybody in the third world does. It's, it's not particularly clever or unique. So I have a question for you. Right now, the polls show basically it's 47% support the impeachment inquiry and think it's legitimate and needs to be done. 48% say, no, it's total crap. It's all politics. What do you think it would take short of a video of Joe Biden standing next to a Chinese guy with one of those big cardboard checks? Uh, what do you think it would actually take to uh, convince the solid majority of the American people that this is a, an impeachable offense? The polls already show that that a majority, clear majority, up to 60 percent think that Joe Biden did something wrong. But what do you think takes it to an impeachable offense? You know, it's a great question, Peter. And I was actually discussing it with some of my good friends on <laughs> Newsmax on Sunday. They were talking about the polling that showed, you know, is Joe Biden too old, right? And like, or, yeah. or do they need to move along? And so, and I would say it's not that Joe Biden is too old, but they might be using the age as an excuse. Joe Biden doesn't have an age problem. He has a corruption problem. And so whatever percentage of the American people think the impeachment inquiry is legitimate or not, to me, the more significant thing is, is the stat you reference regularly, which is if the American people had known about Hunter Biden and the Biden family corruption that Hunter Biden and his laptop represents, they'd known about that before the election. Then we have, I think we have decent evidence to suggest that the election might've been actually quite different in 2020. And so uh, I think that the American people now know how corrupt he is. So whether he deserves to be impeached or not, I don't know that people believe he deserves to be reelected, but rather than have to admit and own the corruption issue, they're going to look for some other excuse, which might be the fact that he's too old. So they're going to look for somebody. But I do think that the problems are legitimate. And um, what they need to find, I think, are the bank records, right? They need to find Joe Biden's bank records, Joe Biden's cell phone records. And I think we need to continue. They've looked into six of the 12 bank accounts connected to Hunter Biden so far. Yeah. So, yeah, financial records, phone records, see how they match up. Well, there's a whole lot more. Uh, to, uh, space to cover in this, areas to cover in this, and and we will be tracking it as we always do. So your final thoughts, uh, is this opening up? I mean, if the Bidens get away with this, meaning there there's no impeachment, there's no uh, legal accountability, he gets reelected, uh, however old he is, um, this issue doesn't matter. Is it going to be a free for all in Washington? I mean, is everybody going to start doing this? I mean, why not? Why not have your your you know your idiot kid uh, uh, start collecting payments from overseas? So it's almost like uh, no. The short answer is no. First off, if he gets away with it, it's one hundred percent. I think we now know this. Your fault because <laughs> the investigation would have continued had it not been for Peter Schweitzer by me. and his toxic relationship <laughs> with Donald Trump. Uh, but. But I, but I think, honestly, I think, again, Trump is the shadow that looms over all of it. And it's almost like Trump is the threat that you're trying to avoid. And so that's the rationale right. for ignoring everything else. And so I think in the future, presumably Donald Trump won't be the threat. And so it's like, well, OK, that's actually pretty shady. We can't can't be along with that. As long as it doesn't mean Donald Trump gets to be president again. Right. Right. Well, I think that's uh, that's certainly a huge factor in the way that media is failing to cover this. Uh, and uh, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Well, we thank you all for joining us as always. Uh, you can find uh, more information about the work we do and this podcast at thedrilldown.com. And you can certainly find the podcast wherever uh, you listen to podcasts. So thanks for listening as always. Thanks.